Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. Today's guest is Miss Erin Stewart, who has served as Mayor of New Britain, Connecticut since 2013. She was elected at the age of just 26 and was the youngest mayor in the city's history. Mayor Stewart is a Republican with a particular passion for building safer streets, revitalizing neglected properties, and helping New Britain's downtown thrive. In this conversation, she talks about her efforts to increase housing downtown, especially given the history of a highway that cut through New Britain during the urban renewal period decades ago. Mayor Stewart sees the financial and social value of investing in places that prioritize people walking, biking, and enjoying life, not just people driving through. She also knows how important access to affordable transportation options is for many of her constituents who don't own cars. Mayor Stewart is committed to listening to New Britain residents and responding to their concerns, no matter what political party they might associate with. And she's seen serious success over the last decade, improving the financial situation in her town, lifting them out of a deficit hole and into a surplus. I hope you enjoy this conversation with a passionate young mayor. Mayor Aaron Stewart, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in uh, this leadership position? I sure can. Uh, So I was born and raised in the city of New Britain, Connecticut. Um, I Currently, I'm 35 years old, but I was 26 when I first got elected mayor. Um, I definitely, I guess you could say I I caught the political bug when I got my first job in politics working for former Congresswoman Nancy Johnson, who represented the 5th Congressional District in Congress. Uh, And I worked for her back in, you know, early 2000s. But I guess I'm, I'm no stranger to politics. My father was always uh, in elective office, whether it was on the city council or the local board of education or even mayor himself. However, I will say that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to get involved in politics (laughs) because I had lived it with my family and with my dad. Um, But it's interesting the direction that life, uh, life takes you. So, you know, when I was you know, 25, just turning 26 years old, I had made the decision to run for mayor of my community. And uh, I decided to run for that because I felt that there was a big disconnect between the level of service that people in our community expected from their government and what they were getting. I thought that I could do a much better job at bridging that gap and being kind of a a uniter amongst dividers, if you will. Uh, And so I became the youngest serving mayor, not just in city of New Britain's history, but youngest serving female in the state of Connecticut, held the title of youngest serving female mayor across the entire country for a while, but I just keep getting older and elected officials keep getting younger, which is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. So for listeners that aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about your city of New Britain, Connecticut? Of course. Um, What are some of its, you know, best assets and biggest challenges these days? 
So uh, the city of New Britain is a very diverse uh, city. We, well, I say city, I mean, we've got close to 75,000 residents and in Connecticut's terms, that is considered a, a city, but we're an old mill city, blue collar, a um, lot of former industrialists uh, that used to, to live here and that moved here from, from all over the world to, you know, to not only help create the city of New Britain, but to help make a better lives for themselves. We're centrally located. We're dead smack in the middle of the state of Connecticut. Like I said, we have quite the diverse population. A majority of our, our residents being of, of Polish background, but we also have a large and growing Hispanic community as well. When you talk about our greatest assets and our greatest challenges, I mean, obviously our diversity is what makes us uh, so unique. People are coming here um, as a tourist destination from all over the state in New England to check out um, our cultural locations because we are home to a large uh, tourist destination called Little Poland. Our Broad Street neighborhood has uh, over 100 Polish-owned small businesses, so it's a really unique spot. We also have a, um, our up-and-coming Arch Street neighborhood, that's our Barrio Latino, with a lot of great Hispanic and Latin flair cuisine as well. But challenges are remain a plenty. There is we're not perfect as much as I would like to try to convince everyone that we are. You have to be realistic. Our challenge is always in that, you know, we have a lot of blighted properties and, and underutilized space that was old industrial, uh, old industrial space that costs a fortune to uh, you know, to remediate and to renovate. So trying to find creative ways and partnerships with investors to try to bring those buildings back to life always remains a challenge. Another challenge that we have uh, is our uh, school district. We are not uh, up top when it comes to our performance for our students in our school district. We're actually in the bottom tier of performance at the state. But we recently hired a new superintendent who just started working for us about three months ago. So I'm hopeful that those things will change. And one more thing that is, uh, you know, one of our challenges is the amount of non-taxable property that we have. So about 50% of all property in the city of New Britain is not taxable, according to the state of Connecticut uh, general statutes. So that makes it very difficult when managing our uh, budget and managing our, our enterprise. It's about $245 million a year. Got it. And are there some creative ways that you've been working? I'm especially interested in hearing about um, the ways that you all have tried to uplift some of those more neglected properties. Are there any like interesting local businesses that have been able to fill in those or local developers that have taken those projects on? We have uh, created what's called the Blight Task Force. And this is the task force that brings together our building and health departments, my office, our economic development office. And we come together and, and talk about target properties that we see that are either blighted and vacant or becoming worse. <laughs> and that's how we're kind of targeting and looking at different areas uh, of the city for revitalization. I've been in office since November of 2013. So as I approach, my gosh, almost 10 years, um, I think back about how we used to look at properties and, and look at neighborhoods. And we finally had the opportunity to look at our neighborhoods from a planning perspective this year with our 10-year plan of conservation and development, which we just recently um, published. And, and that plan took a good deep look at 
each of the neighborhoods in town. And we, we divvied the, the whole city up into seven or eight different quadrants. We kind of looked at opportunities for development in, in each of those neighborhoods. And that exercise was extremely fruitful. It allowed us to look at um, planning, not just for the future, but also capitalizing um, on a lot of the active projects that we have going on right now. We've been very lucky that we have some local developers that have come in and pledged a renowned interest in the city of New Britain, trying to partner with us and renovate and remediate a lot of properties, especially in our downtown area. We've got partnerships with three uh, notable development companies throughout the state that are embarking on you know, hundreds of millions of dollars right now worth of housing projects. And uh, none of these things would have been possible if we don't come together and have a vision and a direction of, of where we want to go. And the exercise with crafting our plan of conservation and development was really helpful with that. One of the things uh, that kind of set the stage for that, though, was what's called this Connecticut Fast Track. So CT Fast Track is a bus rapid transit hub that is centered and based uh, out of downtown New Britain. It connects through this uh, individual bus line, connects New Britain through uh, Newington, West Hartford into Hartford, and eventually the plan would be to connect you know, us out to the western part of the state through Bristol. That brought a tremendous amount of transit-oriented development opportunities to us, not just with funding through the state of Connecticut Department of Transportation, but also through the Federal Highway Administration and the federal DOT. Um, that really has allowed us to kickstart uh, the, I'll say the transformation of downtown New Britain as a, a transit hub and a place where people want to live, work, and play. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear about. It sounds like with that focus on downtown development, um, that's something that we talk a lot about at Strong Towns, um, the idea that there is a lot more um, often value and specifically higher property tax per acre um, in those downtown, like compact mixed use areas than some of the stuff like more on the edge of town, the more like suburban style development was, did that factor into your decision-making of really focusing on downtown because of the, the economic possibilities? So New Britain has a really interesting story. You know, it was during the time of urban renewal when the state of Connecticut decided they were going to build a highway system, Route 72, and that highway system literally cut our downtown in half. So if you look at downtown New Britain, <laughs> Main Street is, is actually cut in half by a highway. And so on one side, we have Broad Street, which is the little Poland neighborhood that I talked about before. And on the other side, you have Main Street. And so I oftentimes used to say when I first became mayor that highway came in and Broad Street thrived and Main Street died. And it was about trying to find ways to reconnect the two. And um, what we did was we used a infrastructure project as a way to try to do this. So we embarked on um, the Beehive Bridge project. And if you know uh, New Britain or Connecticut, you know that everybody talks about the Bee Bridge. Um, it was this uh, massive kind of public art slash bridge infrastructure <laughs> uh, project um, that we did that goes across the main street overpass. And what did it um, included a lot of complete street work uh, to kind of literally bridge the divide between our main street, because we know that bringing added 
development, added housing, added business to our downtown area is only going to improve the rest of our community. You know, and you also have this renewed interest in, uh, you know, the certain a certain population who don't want to buy their own house. They want to rent. They want that kind of of downtown style living, um, and you know. It's definitely a shift from the thought process during those urban renewal times when all of our apartments in the downtown area went away, um, but we're getting back to it. You know, right now we have a project called um, the Brit. It, there's two projects, one called the Brit, one's called the High Railer. Each of these are going to bring, uh, you know, over a hundred units a piece of market rate, um, you know, studio ones and two bedroom housing into the downtown area. So when you're talking about adding people and residents, uh, feet on the street is what's going to help drive those businesses. Uh, and we're really excited for what the future holds because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Continuing on that train, uh, something that I heard about you before this conversation was that you've been really involved in efforts to, to make streets safer, um, make streets more walkable and bikeable, and not only places where people can get around by car, but have, have other options for moving around, especially probably if they live in the downtown. What has driven your desire to, to help make streets safer in your city? So complete streets projects are extremely important to, I'll say, the health, safety, and just overall well-being of a, a community. When we look at some of the biggest complaints that you get all the time in local government is sidewalks, streets, people speeding, um, it's accidents, whether or not, you know, how many people unfortunately get hit by cars and crosswalks, things of that nature. These are areas where I felt we needed to address. And the we have the tools at our disposal in order to do that through the complete streets work and framework that we know um, is available for, for municipalities. Now, though, with the IIJA or the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, you can really double down on those efforts. You quality of life is important. People want to feel safe getting from one point to another. But I also know that in my community, a lot of people don't have cars. They rely on public transportation. So they have to live close to public transit hubs. And in our city, you know, we also, we have the CT transit route that there's multiple stops all over town. So I look at, you know, how can I, I help make this safer for the individuals that are using public transportation? the fast track coming online, you know, our local CT transit routes, um, just, you know, safe pathways for, for schools, for our kids too, for kids to walk to and from school to their neighborhood schools. These are all things that, in my opinion, you know, make a community a better place. But also too, you know, it's unrealistic to think that you could put you know, <laughs> speed bumps on, on every town and then be able to effectively plow a road. So in, in lieu of not having a, you know, speed bumps anywhere, we do a lot of road dieting, a lot of, uh, you know, special curb cuts and bump outs to really help slow down our, our traffic. And, and it works. We put in our first uh, roundabout and uh, obviously rotaries and roundabouts are not incredibly popular here. We don't really have a lot of them. And, uh, I always laugh because I tell everybody, if you want to do a, a study on effective traffic calming measures, you have to come sit at the roundabout that we put in and just watch how people react to it and what they do, because 
it is, uh, it's pretty funny to watch, especially people who have never used it before. You go from people that would blow through the intersection at 40 miles an hour to driving four miles an hour because they can't figure out how to use it. <laughs> so it works. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. I'm curious. I think people, uh, some people might have a perception that things like um, safer streets and public transit and walkability are something they would expect to see more from a Democrat leader versus a Republican. And I'm curious, uh, if, is that a perception that you experience and um, what what drives you and your values to prioritize those things? Probably, you know, why it's easy to say that is because people don't associate typically Republicans with being progressive. Uh, and I think that's what makes me in, incredibly unique. <laughs> I am one person that embraces, uh, you know, being progressive, looking at different ways and creative ways that I'm going to make my community better and safer. And I don't think that there's a Republican or Democrat way to, you know, to to address making your community safer. I mean, it, it's, um, but I, I can also understand why some people are like, wow, like you're a Republican and you're doing all of these things. Yes, surprisingly, and it's okay. And you're building, you know, consensus because this is what my community wants. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what party you're associated with. It's if you're, if your community wants it and you're an elected leader, it's your job to respond to what their, their wants are regardless of, you know, what party they're with. And so I just think good policy is, is good policy uh, and it shouldn't be marred by politics, especially when you're talking about safe streets and when you're looking at people's livelihoods and, and people's lives, literally, you know, um, that, that's what's important at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. In your leadership as mayor, what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you have good access to your constituents and you're able to, to hear them and listen to what they're concerned about and their priorities are? Sure. Since the, my gosh, first few months that I became mayor, I hold open office hours every month. Um, so there's a couple of things that I do. Uh, you know, if you're going to be an elected leader, you can't be afraid to talk to people and you have to be able to communicate with people and, and listen to them. So I hold open office hours uh, every month or sometimes every other month to allow people to come in and chat with me about any concerns or suggestions that they might have. Sometimes they're not always in city hall. We'll take them out um, into the community too, maybe in like a, a less, uh, I'll say, threatening environment because people don't really feel, really feel comfortable coming into city hall. Um, so we'll do it at different restaurants and, and coffee shops and places like that. Um, and then I also do utilize social media. So using social media in order to conduct pretty much, you know, bi-monthly town hall meetings. So I call it 40 Live. I'm the 40th mayor of the city of New Britain. So there's where that comes from. But I call it 40 Live because um, I come to everybody live before every city council meeting. And I'll go through the agenda with everyone because I don't really think people pay attention to what's on city council agendas, um, but they'll pay attention to a mayor that's at least delivering it in a clear, quick, concise, and I'll say somewhat fun <laughs> kind of kind of show, if you will. And I also use it as an opportunity to update people on upcoming events and things that we've got going on. So, you know, using social media, um, opening my office to people and just being accessible is important. Yeah, that's really cool. I think city council meeting minutes are something that is very hard for most people to understand. They're like not 
easy to to read through at all. So making that more approachable, um, that makes a lot of sense. You've been in leadership for, um, as you said, almost 10 years. What are you most proud of? What are some of your biggest accomplishments during that time that you're, you're most proud looking back on? Loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, it's a lot. It is, you know, when you think about, about it, um, well, a couple areas, right? First is in the financial realm. When I took office, the city of New Britain was facing a $30 million operating deficit. And uh, today that's almost a $30 million surplus. So that's one of the things I am most, most proud of, you know, transforming the finances. Um, You know, we've spent, I've spent a lot of time in our park system. We've done massive upgrades to almost every single public park that we have in town. I'm really proud of that. Um, the revitalization of downtown New Britain and, you know, transforming our neighborhoods through our complete streets master plan, through our transit oriented development plans. You know, this isn't just development that, you know, somebody walked in and said, hey, I want to do this. This is meaningful, well thought through and planned development projects um, that I'm, I'm really proud of. And, um, you know, the last thing that I think I'm incredibly proud of is a program that I created called New Britain Recovers. Um, NB Recovers is kind of a holistic approach to a lot of, uh, you know, the problems that many urban communities like mine um, have across the country, dealing with the opioid crisis, alcoholism, homelessness, um, and also incorporating our youth for our local youth uh, drug and alcohol prevention council work. Um, so New Britain Recovers has been a, a, a big uh, labor of love for me there too. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to working on in the coming months then? So as you can imagine, there's no shortage of things happening here. <laughs> um, because my foot is on the gas pedal all day, every day. We have so many developments happening in our downtown area. And so I talked a little bit about some of the great projects, apartment projects that we have going on right now. Um, But in addition to that, we just uh, released our, I'm calling it my Complete Streets 2.0 plan. (laughs) I had an initial Complete Streets master plan that I actually ended up um, finishing, which is a really good feeling when you craft a plan and then you fund every piece of it and you finish it and very unheard of for government to do things like that. So we just released our second version, our second go around of our complete streets uh, plan, which takes a lot of the complete street work that we've done in our downtown area and now branches it out and brings it into our neighborhoods. Um, kind of, you know, we're, we're branching out from just the main street area. And I'm really excited to see roll up my sleeves and get to work on finding funding uh, for a lot of these projects and making it, making it happen. That sounds good. To close this out here, what advice would you give for somebody that's listening um, that might also be interested in stepping into some sort of leadership in their community and trying to make it a better place? If you have passion and you have drive to want to make a difference, don't ever doubt yourself. Um, I think a lot of people always think that, oh, you know what, I I can't get involved because I don't know enough about, you know, the city government or city operations. I feel like 
individuals or people will always make excuses of why they don't know enough to do something instead of just jumping in head first and, and doing it. You know, I tell people this a lot frequently when I'm looking for volunteers on city boards and commissions. And I always say to them, you know, as long as you have common sense and you have a passion and a purpose for what it is that you, you want to do, you can be successful. And our communities depend on that. Instead of sitting on the sidelines, reading the newspaper or looking at all the comments on the local, you know, New Britain Talks Facebook page or Your Town Talk page and being frustrated with the things that people say, you know, you have to take take action, right? You've got to not only, you know, pay somewhat of attention, but volunteer yourself and, and volunteer your time because you can't recreate that passion. It's very hard to, to find that in people. Either you have it or you don't. And if you have it, your community is going to be a better place if you step forward. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much, Mary Erin Stewart. It was a pleasure to have you on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you are incredibly busy. So it was great to talk with you. Yeah, Rachel, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. I hope everyone's having a nice fall so far. I know in Wisconsin, weirdly, it does not feel like fall quite yet. I'm still picking tomatoes for my garden and it still regularly gets up to 80 degrees during the day. But the calendar tells us it is fall, and that means Strongtown's event calendar is also ramping up a ton. Chuck and my colleague Daniel are doing speaking engagements across the country and actually across the continent. Um, Chuck's got some events in Canada. We're doing some online events. Chuck's in Salt Lake City, uh, San Antonio, Jasper, Indiana, and a lot more to come. So um, head to our events page, strongtowns.org slash events. If you want to see whether we're coming to your area and really the best way to do that is just to sign up for our email list, strongtowns.org slash email. And that way we will always alert you. We'll give you a nice heads up as soon as we have something on the calendar so that you can find out when we're coming to your area. So check that out, strongtowns.org slash events. If you want to know whether there's a Strongtowns event coming to you. Thank you to our members. You all make this whole thing possible. Love to hear from you and love to receive the support of members across the world. If you'd like to join as a member of this movement, head to strongtowns.org slash membership. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you back here next week. Take care. Mm-hmm.